This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well-versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose. Great dribbling by Don Vose. And still, Vose, he gets past another! Oh, what a goal! Don Vose! One of the goals of the season! He has toyed with the defence there! And that is remarkable, the ball boys getting involved. Conor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer, 13 for the season. 14! Wrexham lead! It's Wrexham 1! Chester now! It's McDonough for Wrexham! Still Jerry McDonough! It's Matt Caroline! McDonough round the keeper! Wrexham! Wrexham! to the lead, ladies! If yesterday was a Black Friday, but today is a Red Saturday! Croissant. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. As always, I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined once again by Nathan Salt. Nath, how are you doing? Three games into the new season, transfer window finally over. We always say it's a busy week, but this one's felt a lot more busy, hasn't it? I mean, we've had the, the double games over the bank holiday, a new signing on deadline day as well. How are you feeling? Oh, Rich, it's it's good to be back on with you. It's good to be recording another pod. It's just always a hectic week, isn't it, with Wrexham? Uh, you know, kind of waiting for some transfer business. We were seeing it on the Twitter, on our Twitter account, we were being tagged in various things. Bryce Hosano will get onto one of the deadline day signings in the car park of the turf. That's what it's all about, you know, a bit of speculation, waiting to see who we got. But yeah, three games into the season, it's just nice to have a bit of football to talk about, you know, as much as the... The off-the-field stuff's been really good. It was kind of good to... I know you were there. Kind of good just to see some football and, and start actually dissecting this group for, for what it's going to be over the next few months. Yeah, exactly. We will be singing Kosana later in the podcast. But yeah, I guess that's a good place to start. Not on Monday, and we both said on the pod last week. I think we both predicted four points from the bank holiday fixtures. I think you went the other way around. You were feeling very optimistic about uh, not to maybe a bit more pessimistic about Eastleigh. Um, yeah, in the end, you know, four points. I would have taken that beforehand, but just annoying because I felt 
you know, like I say, it was my first game. Went there, usually in the rec rent stand, but I got relocated to the lower paddock, which was very nice. Sat with the uh, players' families. Get yeah, you. Was, yeah, it was very snazzy next to the uh, the gaffers' uh, brigade as well, uh, which was interesting hearing their sort of inputs and what they were reflecting and thinking of the team so far. Atmosphere was great. Um, difficult to get a good atmosphere just because of the fact that you haven't got everyone behind the goal sat together. There seemed to be two mm. sort of hardcore pockets of fans, one next to the away end and the others who were in the you know, in the lower part of the, the Mold Road stand. So, yeah, it's always difficult to get a good atmosphere going because you've got like your two vocal, most set of vocal home fans opposite each other, which can work yeah. well. And from all accounts, Nathan came across quite loud on the TV. It always looks it did, a bit yeah, crap, did. doesn't it? Because on TV, obviously, the lower end of the away end was empty and behind the goals were empty. So it doesn't look that busy as you know as as, as it was because it was really good and the atmosphere was really good to begin with. Died off a bit in the second half, but that's just yeah. because Knotts came into the game a bit more. But I was just so impressed with the football we were playing. Maybe I'm just having withdrawal symptoms, symptoms so much because I've not seen them play you know, properly at home since that Eastley nil-nil back in March 20, 20, 2020. But the, the, just the, the passes that were being made, and I know not everyone played to the best of their abilities, but we just seemed so confident. The way we started the game, more than having a shot immediately, really set the tone. We were just on top throughout that first half. We should have had two or three, really. And yeah, it was just really fun to watch. And you can just tell that this squad is a bloody good squad. It's a football league caliber team. We just need to get everything out of them for the season ahead. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I guess like many people listening, it's that sort of maybe false optimism that's got us uh, both planning our trip to South End this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it and I my main takeaway, especially from the first half, was there's a good number of players in that squad that are A, leaders without the armband, which I think is massive at this level. Look at people like Tozer, Brisley when he comes back in, Aaron Hayden, Young who's got the armband, you know, others. I mean, even Jordan Davis, even though he's quite young, has got leadership qualities, I think. And both of the front lads, especially Mullen. Um, and also, B, I think there's a lot of players in that squad that are just a cut above, just a level above what we've usually had. You know, with all due respect to those that have come before, I look at, I was very impressed with Aaron Hayden. I thought he looked brilliant. Ben Tozer, I mean, it will take a while for us to really work out how to capitalise on those long throws. I just don't yeah, think we have the say, height there. I don't think we have the height to no. make those count. And I think the other thing, which I think he set up maybe like 15 goals from, set piece from his throws came at Cheltenham last season, I believe it said in The Athletic or whatever. The thing that we've not had a chance to work on is the actual set-piece routines of doing that on the training ground, who runs where. It was just... This was just a very sort of rudimental sort of trial of his long throws because he was just he was just literally launching them into the box and hoping someone connected with it. Whereas I think at Cheltenham and what we will work on is actual set pieces. Uh, Parky was quite furious on the touchline. He was like maybe a couple of maybe five ten meters away from us where we were sat. And you know whenever Toza went for a long throw, he was after he's he's having to say someone go short, someone go short because. We just mm. haven't worked on that, and we're. I still think the players themselves just aren't used to what Toza brings to the side. But it was yeah. just, it completely changed the way that we attack, particularly in the last few minutes of the games, because we've all been there watching Wrexham in a big game, and towards the end of the match, we get the ball in a decent position out wide, and then we just take a crap throw, bad first touch, mm. and the momentum's gone. But with Toza, it's like having an extra 10, 15 corners in the match. Yeah. Because instead I... of losing that momentum, having to throw it, get it back, put a cross in. 
it's just one bloody long throw into the box and it causes all sorts of mayhem. I, I think I'd also to... be, I'd, I'd be tempted, Rich, to kind of mix it up as well because if they're going to flood the box scared of the deep throw, I'd be tempted to play the short throw. We did it a couple yeah. of times and, yeah, and go for the cross, go for that. the long shot, you know. He was saying to Luke Young and to Jones as well, just drop shorter because as soon as Tozer gets the towel, everyone's thinking, oh, here we go again. So if someone runs short, you get the ball and you've got... 15, 20 yards of space to put across into the box. So, yeah, it's really going to work, but it's just an area to develop. But I think it has just added such a different element to our game. And like I said, towards the end in these matches where you need that maybe bit of luck that you create for yourself, he can just completely change the dynamic and the way that we attack. Because, you know, I saw a criticism after the match of someone saying that we didn't, we were a long ball team and, you know, we are playing to that advantage. We were going quite long, but I think some of the passing was just good passes that were picking out our runners from deep. That's what our two strikers were doing. They were trying mm. to run in behind the defenders. So you've got to hit him with a long ball because you're not going to get an Iniesta or a Xavi in a non-league. I hate no. to break it to you, but our budget won't do that. <laughs> no. And the other thing but is... I did, I, go on, sorry, Rich. Go on. Just one last point on the long ball tactics. It's the bloody National League. And mm. by winter, these pitches will be pretty unplayable some places we go. So I don't think there's any criticism to be had of the way we did play because that's just playing to the the way you have to to get out of this league. Like we said, well, we, we want to be entertained, yeah. but I want to win. And the best we way were to told, win we were told, is going long. We were told, weren't we, that it wasn't going to be entertaining football under Parkinson. You know, the, the, the lad, the Bolton fan that came on, even the Sunderland fan and others, even Kem Izzet, who spoke to us about the early days at Colchester, said it wasn't going to be necessarily pretty, but it would be effective. And I think you can already tell it's... It's pragmatic football, you know, not not totally. We played some nice stuff at times, but I thought my takeaway from the Knotts game was that midfield again just doesn't yet look right. It doesn't quite, it hasn't clicked there like it has up front. I think Hyde and Mullen look good if they can stay fit all season. They'll get, you'd hope, 45, 50 goal contributions between them. Defensively, I think we've got great players. Uh, I think we've got the top talents in the league when you look at people like Toza. Hayden, you know, if you can, you know, we'll get on to Matt's Clareworth, but, you know, I think we've got enough in there with Toza, Hayden, Brizzy when he comes back in, Lennon as well, if he can stay fit. It's just that midfield. I think that midfield just needs to, it's got talent, it's got bags of potential. It just needs to work out who is doing what role. You know, we're not going to be able to have David Jones in there as a, as a sweeper type every week. And so, yeah, I just think Luke Young and James Jones look very similar, in, even in the sense that they both want to go for that edge of the box strike from a corner. Or they just look very, very similar players, and we haven't really got a kind of that that orthodox DM to just sort of tell Young and Davis where to play. Because I do think there was a lot of talk about you know Toza coming in and and would Young lose the armband, and I was replying to a lot of people saying that's total nonsense and. And Young is the captain. I think I think uh, Parkinson's very impressed with him and likes the cut of his jib, frankly, and, and is going to play him quite regularly, especially given the fact we didn't go out and sign another midfielder to go with James Jones. So for me, I just think we'll improve significantly when that midfield know their exact role and how best to function in a trio. Is it two sitting? Is it one attacking? Is it one, one sitting, two attacking? That's what they've got to work out in the training ground. Yeah, I agree. And I think that against most teams, it will be something that we can afford to have those two attackers. But I think against Knott, it wasn't what we needed. And like you said, I do think 
Young and Jones were very similar in the roles which they which they played on the day. And I guess it almost it will bring us on to transfers, which we're going to get onto anyway. Maybe we'll go in more depth later on. But Parkey said he wanted two new signings before deadline day. He only got one, which was Bryce Hosanna in for Leeds. He'll come in, you know, as a defensive addition. To me, it just seems like surely the other one he wanted was a a ball winning midfielder or that sort of anchor who can just hold everything down, sit in front of the defence. Maybe when we have Lennon and Brisley back and, you know, we've got them playing at centre-backs, you could move Tozer into a centre-defensive midfield role because, you know, he did come through the ranks as a, as a midfielder himself. So there is maybe the possibility that he could do that. I don't think that is why he has primarily been brought to the club, but that is a stopgap. And I think, you know... <laughs> Transfer windows just closed less than 24 hours and I'm already talking about January, but I do think that ball-winning midfielder might be the type of player we look for in January who would then maybe transform our season and our, our fortunes because, yeah, like you said to me just then, then Naif, I do think that the balance just isn't quite there, but it's hard to be too critical because what a win oh, no. that's been and we've attracted Don't players that I could never have even dreamt of. You know, if you'd asked me like who my dream edition was before the summer, I wouldn't have even classified Tozer or Mullen because I still think they were out of my sort of remit of realistic additions and we've gone mm. out and done that. So like I said, the good thing is we've got Tozer who can really change the game with his approach and now we've got two strikers. Like we said, Hyde came in, he was that sort of twenty goal season striker we want. And then we added a 30-40 goal season striker as well. Mm. So I think just the amount of chances that we will take, which are sort of half chances, the amount of scrappy games will slowly transform into to wins, you know. Three games into the season, no point even having a league table at this stage because it counts for absolutely nothing. Mm. But I'm, I'm really encouraged by the signs we've seen. It's just that sort of fine-tuning and those teething issues which are worrying me a little bit at the moment but yeah let's just enjoy. I'd, I'd say i'd say that definitely let's enjoy i mean what a window you've got to say sort of nine out of ten really in comparison to others you i, I, I don't give out a 10 out of 10 but you'd have to say a 9.5 9 out of 10 i think it's no secret that he was looking for a midfielder i'd say that was probably the other one he wanted callum guy i think was you know quite public his name was publicly available for links with wrexham there was also um Alex Woodyard at, at Wimbledon, I think he is now. So there were names floating about, again, that kind of football league standard. And I think it's quite telling, Rich, that of the 10 editions, nine came from the football league and, you know, all were joining on, on good deals for them and for us. Two-year deals, three-year deals. It wasn't maybe a, a one and done. And I think, you know, if we look back through the signings, you think starts off with Sean Brisley, who's got immense experience and we haven't seen him yet. You, you know, injured at Tamworth. We haven't really been able to to get a good look at him as fans. And of um, course, Nate, I think the important thing when we're going on to centre-backs is, and I'll hold my hand up for this, I was worried that we let Kelleher and Vassell both go because I didn't think we'd be able to replace them. No, I was wow. the same. I was the same, yeah. no, and, But, you know, it's. I think at the time, I think that was a fair criticism to make because... I think it was the criticism compl- of who stayed and who didn't. I mean, again, just some of these sort of... Like attacking mids that we've got, we've got Jarvis and Redmond who both stayed, and you know I'm excited to see what they can do off the bench. But I still don't quite see the formation they work in. But like mm. we said, centre backs. It, I thought, well, like like we said, Parky builds teams from the back, and he wanted to get his own men in. And like you said, well, Grizzly was the I, first of. I, I was really yeah, I was very that. critical, Rich, and I was very critical on Twitter and Facebook at the time about letting Sean Pearson go. I felt that was a huge mistake. I felt like you know not only losing a captain. Um, and, and, you know, I thought for all the money in the world, you're not going to find someone who understands the area and who 
because I, I honestly believe that Sean Pearson is a is a leading defender at this level, but yet what we've gone and done is get leading defenders from higher levels. So you know I didn't believe that was in the realm of our capability to go and get a you know a, a captain. I you know I was hopeful, I was hopeful of it, but did I think we were going to go and sign someone like a Bentoza or you know someone like an an Aaron Hayden who I admit wasn't on my radar, but had he been on my radar I would have probably said no um just purely from the pessimism point of, of previous windows but I think as we've said it on a, on the pods before if you flip Sean Pearson Kelleher Vassell do we get get rid of any other defenders I mean you think you know in the past other ones we've got rid of and you think we've got that now into real depth of Tozer Hayden um Brisley Lennon and you've got Max Cloweth, who clearly has caught the eye and is pushing and is in uh, is in Parkinson's plans. I think there's five really good centre-backs there. You've got four established, one pretty injury-prone in Harry Lennon, but then you've got Max Cloweth as well coming through, and you'll have great leadership and mentorship from, from those around him, I think. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the way that that sort of develops itself and again it's gonna be interesting i mean we keep on saying when we're fully fit who knows it's a long season you might never be granted that luxury of having a fully fit squad but just to see who that best 11 is going to be and i know we're going to get onto that later in the pod ourselves and we'll we'll be asking you for your best 11s on social media as well so as always do get involved on rob ryan red on on, on twitter and we'll probably put up a question for that for what your strongest 11 would be after the transfer window so yeah we'd like to hear those or read a couple of those out next time on the pod as well but yeah and then, like we said, centre-backs is clearly what Parkey had prioritised this summer, and he did that. Elsewhere on the pitch, though, you know, I mean... I think a wing-back were... wing felt key, didn't it, after Reese or Johnson yeah. got injured. And you've seen Bryce Hosanna play, right, in terms of when he's played in one of those few games for Leeds. Yeah, it turns out I was at Leeds United versus Man United in Perth, Australia, I cannot wow. tell you very much about Bryce Hazano that day. I can't remember a thing really because I was just I was just enjoying it. Mm. I was like a kid in the candy shop, you know, being on preseason tour with Man United was just like surreal. It was like um, when we had Rob, Rob Ogilby on the uh, podcast and he was saying that you know that planned trip that we had to to Philadelphia was going to be a bit different from his sort of preseason in Aberystwyth. Yeah. But yeah, it, that was crazy. So Bryce Hazana, I did speak to someone that leads live about him. They said they've just not really seen much. Um, he mm. seems to be a player. I watched his interview on you know the club media, which, you know, he seemed like a really composed lad. And, you know, he said that he didn't have any worries about dropping into the National League, you know, age 22. There will be some players who do see that as a sort of that make or break move in their life. But... Yeah, it was it was pivotal that we got one in, and the thing is as well, Bryce Asana, he's coming in and he's got a bit of a free hit because if he doesn't hit the ground running, you know we will just get Reese Johnson back in when he's yeah when he's fully fit to do so. And the other thing which I feel that maybe a bit unfair on Bryce is the fact that we have technically signed him from Leeds' development squad, but when you say sign Leeds defender, people think that you're getting right. like that you know right. like a proper first teamer. Which Again, is, we're not getting Stuart. We're not getting Stuart Dallas or Luke Ayling or anything. Like no, that. we're not. But we're getting a player who's got good pedigree, and you know he will have been involved in first team sessions under Marcelo Bielsa. He will have that tactical acumen and he will have that mm. discipline to you know fit to our our mould. And 
you know, he said he can he can make an impact in either box, and I think that's what we need really. We just need someone who's who's, who's going to offer us a bit more because Tyler French I thought was was good again, but I I see him more. I thought he was back. good. I thought he did look good. Yeah, and I, I was about to say, you know, I don't believe that Bryce Hosanna, based on the conversations he said he said he had with Parkinson, I don't believe he signed with a view to being cover for eight weeks and then playing second fiddle. I don't. No, I exactly. refuse to believe I, that. That's what. So it'd be bad management if he told him yeah. that. You no, no, exactly. It, it, it should it should breed confidence and it should breed com- competition and competitiveness yeah. in the squad because I think Reese Hall Johnson, you know, he's obviously been outstanding since he's joined us, but I don't really think he's got a a clear competitor to the role, which you'd say that Cam Green and Jamie Record clearly do have two players that 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 fans would argue have the pedigree to start and, and you know some would say green some would say record but at least you've got a debate I feel like when Hall Johnson was fit there, there was no debate you know as good as French was I thought on, on Monday night yeah exactly I think Hall Johnson going forward he's probably one of the best right backs in the division but defensively he got caught out a few times it was against Knotts you know was it back in April or May when we played them and he got absolutely rinsed on the left wing do you remember he, he just couldn't really deal with them defensively there was there was one particularly in uh, it might have been Knotts well but there was also a, a game away at Boreham Wood where I know he, yeah. he he had a decisive sort of contribution and attack but especially that first half I just remember him getting absolutely haunted and yeah. he, he looked really exposed um, defensively. Which is understandable because it's National League. You're not going to get a box-to-box sort of defender who can do it. And, but, I mean, you even look at the Premier League, right-backs tend to either be very good defensively or or very good mm, offensively. Definitely. You know, I mean, it's like Trent Alexander-Arnold, criticised for what he does at the back, but very good going forward. Aaron Wan-Bissaka at United can't attack for Toffee, but defensively, he's yeah. arguably the best in the division. So you're not going to get that balance really but I think it's good for us to have the option of Tyler French who is more defensive and then you've got Hazana and Reese Johnson who were Reese Hall Johnson sorry who are going to be competing in an attacking sense for that role so yeah it's just good and the, the thing is for the first time since you know I can ever remember really we have got like two players in every single position yeah which is I mean, just this, a luxury this, which I've never was, seen and it's was like, it you who texted me to say that I, think, I can't remember who was texting me, just, but our squad is absolutely huge. You yeah. know, if anything, the, the transfer window closing has saved us from just having a squad of about 700 by the end. Yeah, it's it, turning into a bit of a Dean Saunders sort of summer, isn't it, where we just yeah. buy 40 players and just hope that some of them work out or whatever. But, you know, the, the thing is we've added quality. Every single edition has been a real quality edition so far. And, you know, obviously there'll be some who don't work out and maybe one or two who could even be regarded flops or whatever by the end of it. But I'm really encouraged by the business we've done, the players that we retained. And it's just so refreshing that obviously we've got key players in the squad, but we've now got that depth where, and I don't want to be too negative, but if someone got injured or someone was out suspended mm. or whatever, there is someone who can come in and you know, not going to say that's Costas, that's what's, you know, going to see our form drop out there's going to be someone who can come in and do a job okay there are like I said a couple of players who are key players who you want to stay fit as long as possible and will be the linchpins of our squad but Nath it's just so good that strength and depth yeah there's certain players that I do worry I don't know I just don't know where they fit into the plan you know you mentioned a couple already but even the signing of Liam McAlinden a, a very good player by all accounts but I do just wonder where in this system, if those who are there now in there stay fit. I think we saw the strongest team, aside from Hall Johnson, against Notts County. 
Well, I, we do I think I, Evans, then? Is that what you want to? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just think that. I mean, we can do. But I just think that for me, Parkinson, not myself, but I think Parkinson looks at because we we put out the graphic, didn't we, before the or was it before the first game or before the Eastley game, and you know a lot of people were saying it's got to be Cam Green, it's got to be Cam Green, and what I was trying to say to people was the team I put out was what I believe Parkinson thinks is his strongest team, um, and you know not too far away. Dave, um, not Dave Jones, James Jones, Luke Young, Davis in the midfield. Obviously, the two up front speak for themselves. And we've already gone through the defenders um, with, with Lennon in there instead of Cloworth. Um, I don't know we'd have too many too many arguments, Rich. I mean, our kind of Rob Ryan Red strongest 11, I think, will be pretty similar. But I mean, we can go through goalkeeper, I would say, speaks for itself. Rob Lainton is undisputable there. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I'm not going to be too critical because, like I said, we, I, I think you know, in the, in the best case scenario, you shouldn't have to worry about your backup. But I do feel that that's something we need to maybe work on at some stage because I think Dibbles has been a great servant to the club. He's you know the penalty saving GK hero that that, mm. that gets it and stuff. But you know, he's obviously a popular figure. But I I do worry that you know if LinkedIn was to have another long layoff, what effect that might have. You know, I'm still just worried, and I feel like. A club of our stature, I don't kind of get those renewals on those on the keepers because I felt they've got to they've got to be cheap out. or they've got okay. it's got to be a kind of morale thing. Either we get some really well in the dressing room or or it's just economically really viable and doesn't take up too much. You know yeah, the exactly. idea that we can the idea that we can have Rob Lane to Mark two say someone like Notts's Sam Slocum on the bench, just highly highly unlikely. No matter what the terms are, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I, I, like I said, I'm not saying I'm not like I said it shouldn't be an issue that matters too much, but. That's just me being greedy. I'm gluttonous mm. now. You know, we've got we've got the cash, so why not use we it? We can so, be yeah. now. We can be yeah, now. So formation, like I said, well, we've not really said that. Sort of three five two is what we're yeah. going for because that's what Parky yeah, wants. Definitely. So then centre backs, Hayden, Brisley, Tozer. Yeah, I like that. I like Tozer in the middle of those, and yeah, Hayden to his right. Hayden seems more comfortable on the right side, and then yeah, I'd like to see Cloworth get game time, but for me, Brisley with his experience of being there as, as kind of strongest. Right wing back, Hall Johnson. We don't know what Bryce Hazan is going to bring. We might be changing yeah. this, this rhetoric in five, six games to gate time. And I, I hope we do, because that means that Bryce is coming and doing a real good job and really made an impact. Yeah, I hope he gets a run out at South End, to be honest. I mean, it would be, again, be harsh on Tyler French, because I, I feel for him, because he's a very good player. And I'm just not really sure now where he slots in to that I side. I think it's centre-back, to be honest, because I think... Will he I get the chances there, though? I don't, I don't I really think know. Being a pessimist, I think there will probably always be one centre-back who's not fully fit. So I think, almost as a first reserve as such, then that's not really too much of an issue for me. No, no, maybe. And then and, and then I look on the left side, and you, I mean, what do you think? I'll throw that one to you, who you, who you would go with on the left side. If you'd asked me at the start of the season, I'd be Cameron Green all day. Right. But record was really I was really impressed with the ground he covered against Knotts. I thought he was really calm and assured. I felt he he really complimented the the way that we played the match. Um I, you know. Yeah, I think it's just like you said I think that's probably the closest sort of rivalry that, in the that squad. Is. I think that it is. really that, is sort I, of just preference. Yeah, I mean my preference would be Cam Green just because I I just prefer his sort of attacking output a little bit more. Um yeah. I mean Green uh, Record is probably defensively a bit more sound, but I just think to match up, if I'm going to go with Hall Johnson, I just want someone of similar ilk attacking-wise. But again, I, I think that's 
you're splitting hairs there. I think it's really a case of preference. Um, yeah, and I think the other think thing that, as well, yeah. which Parker we have to consider is if you're using wing backs, they have to be, you know, they've got to be on the same wavelength because they've got yeah. to know, you know, they've got to be synchronized with what they're doing almost, and they've got to know who's going forward and when they're on the defense and stuff. And I think you just need that symmetry. And I think the fact they've had a season mm. together as well probably puts those both in the in the in the pecking yeah. order just just a bit ne- higher but neil ashton made a good point recently on another pod about when he played with Obing in that 98 point season that he just didn't even need to think he just yeah. was able to just bomb on and then when Obeng left and obviously danny alfie comes in it, it it threw him off it threw his own game off because he didn't know Exactly. If he could go or if he could not go, you know, he didn't really exactly. know and if he was going to be covering. That's one of the sort of partnerships that's not always considered in football because obviously they're on different flanks. So you think, well, they don't really need to worry about what they do. Their partnerships with the centre-back. But particularly with wing-backs, you really need that symmetry. And I always think back to when Antonio Conte won the league with Chelsea and he had Marcos Alonso and Victor Moses as his wing-backs. Mm. But they were excellent for that season because they just got what each other was doing. And again, it was like what you said, what Neil Ashton said. They just had that... They're on the same wavelength and they just understood each other's roles and yeah it really did work so i think that will be record and hall johnson when fully fit but like we said mm. we have got the the option to to switch things up if we need to yeah that, i mean that seems like nailed on i'd be i'd be surprised if there's any sort of arguments to i, I mean people like tozer and hayden Lainton, when fit in my opinion are indisputable i think there are cases to be made for probably Brisley's position. And I think both fullbacks, you could make a case um, that, you know, certain people like those and certain people don't. So defensively, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thrilled with that, Rich. I probably, we haven't had a better defence than that since that 98-point season, which, you know, again, defensively, we were magnificent then with, you know, Knight Percival and Crichton and people like that. So let's move it a bit further forward. Let's go into the midfield. Yeah, midfield's um, difficult in the sense that it depends who you're playing. Because if I'm if we're playing a, uh, another top six side, I probably want David Jones in there, fully fit, anchoring the midfield. To be mm. honest, if we're not, do you go the, you go the Jones pivot there, or or I mean, where do you stand? Are you a a, a James Jones and Luke Young, or an either or? Or I don't think I've seen McAlinden in there. Jones no. to know what else he can offer as such. You know, I mean, the mm. first time I watched him in person was no, sure, against sure. Notts on Monday, and yeah, like I said, he did seem very similar to to Luke Young. I think we'll probably get onto it and top them up by the end. But I think Luke Young is another one of those undroppables, along with Leighton, Toza, Hayden, for me, Hyde, yeah, and Mullen. For me, I think for so. me as well, yeah. You've got six undroppables there, I think, and I think you've got five other places which are a bit more versatile. Luke Young, yeah, starts every game. James Jones. I think, like I said, against against most sides, you can really spread the play and get the ball moving quickly with those two. And I think you've also got the ability to get balls in the box from out wide, which maybe you've not always got with one of the other anchors. So, yeah, I guess when fully fit, I probably would be James Jones, Luke Young, and then Jar- Jar- maybe Jarvis or Redmond on the bench. But Yeah, I mean, that's the tricky thing, is that with five spots on the bench... I feel like Angus is his go-to sub. I feel like Hyde for Angus will be the sub that we see. I can't see him taking Mullen off just just because yeah, of what he, Mullen can give you. I think exactly. it's Hyde for Angus. And and then I look at it and think, I can't see him very often going into a game without Dibble on there. So that's one of the five spots. Leaves four positions. He'll need a defender on there. Probably have David Jones on there as a co- You know, as a yeah. as a player coach. Then you think French on the bench. Which is yeah, a nice so, rhyme because so, so he can play centrally yeah. or out wide. 
So then you've got Dibble, French, Jones, Angus. You've got one spot left. I do wonder, I'm starting to wonder why people like Les Reed and co felt they needed to keep Devonta Edmund on. It's very confusing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know quite where get he fits. Edmund and Ponticelli. No idea I don't on either see of the those. Games they play in. Even if we've got an injury, I don't see when they either of them play a match. They're not. They're, they're not next men up. You know what I mean? It's like they're sort of like third the second or third man up. Yeah. Position, yeah. So, so it, you know, you'd have to have an absolute injury crisis, really. To... Unless we're just going to have our own like FA Trophy All Stars squad. Uh, but I, I, I surely maybe not. I don't know about Ponticelli so much, but surely Redmond before he signed the new deal, was given some sort of assurance that he was in the thinking. Um, I just can't get my head around it. And I, I think the lack of the lack of matches, in a way, and the lack of reserve games, how are these players going to stay fresh other than just training to an intensity that... So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Midfield, I think Luke Young is undroppable. It's, it's amazing me how Jordan Davis is sort of splitting opinion at the minute. You know, he kind of... I, he, he did slowly grow into the game on Monday I thought and then he played well and I, I mean my mum my mum what well. my mum went yeah my <laughs> mum went and said he was the best player my mum went and said that yeah, exactly. he, he I mean, was the best player I think he was a bit rash in possession at times was maybe going for the Hollywood ball too often but he drew four yellow cards from knots which is you know that shows what a threat he was and that was the only way they could stop him he was a bit petulant when he got booked himself but he was making things happen and he was taking the risk which, you know, like I said, some of the balls were sort of unnecessary, but then he did create chances out of nothing. And there was that particular one, I think, when he cut it open from deep for Mullen in the second half. It's probably about the last chance of the match we had. And then Slocum came off and, and denied him from the tight angle. But, yeah, for me, I thought Davis really did make things click. I think, obviously, it's such a good look for Wrexham if you've got your homegrown number seven, the Cordy Assassin. You know, it's a middle finger to all those people saying you're buying the league or whatever when you've got a homegrown yeah. talent as good as him. And I think he really is going to be one of the best ever homegrown Wrexham talents, potentially, because he has got everything. And he's, you know, if we got promoted, and even in League Two, it's not unfeasible. He could be a Wales international at some point as well, because he really has got so much going for him. He's got so much to give and to offer this team. But perhaps he's the one who drops out against a bigger side. Perhaps it goes Jones, Jones, Young. You know, I mean, that might be a bit of a yeah. A I think that's one. quite. Con- I think that's quite conservative and puts a lot of pressure on your wing backs for creation. You know, as yeah. much as Jones and, and Young are nice, tidy passes, they don't have the dynamism that um, exactly. And I think they don't have the played, dynamism think, that think, he would give you. I think Davis does play those risky balls, and he does have that. You know, that more sort of badass approach to it, where he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. The next one will." And I think you need I, that. You need that. Sort I think of in those. Catalyst. I think in those. I think in those bigger games, you you go with either a Dave Jones or you push up someone like a a Ben Tozer and you shore up the defence. You essentially have another defender on the pitch, and that should give Davis more room, more freedom to go and express himself. Essentially, as an auxiliary forward, you know, just kind of a third option up top. Um, what's the fascinating thing was that I think when when the subs were made on Monday, that it was McAlinden that came on in in a sort of midfield role. I'm still trying to figure out where exactly he plays because we don't operate with... I can't see us deviating from 3-5-2, really. I don't think we're going to switch to, to a 4-3-3 or anything like that. Um, so it's fascinating, you know, what will happen to these wide players. Will they be converted into wing-backs? 
will they sort of play as that number 10 whenever it's not Davis? Davis does feel the one that could come in and out. I'll give you that. So for me, though, I would go as my strongest midfield right now. I would go young James Jones and Jordan Davis as it was. As he were NS. Yeah, I suppose that. Um, yeah, I see the room for that. Strikers, I don't think we discuss it, do we? It's, no, it's I mean, Hyde and I, I, I mean, it's Hyde and Mullen. I, I actually, I'm, I'm sticking by this again. And I'll put it on the pod because I, I said it on Twitter that I think Hyde will be our top goal scorer. Yeah, I season. agree. And with he, you. he's and not on—he's not on penalties or anything like that. But I think he will thrive off the creation of Paul Mullen, especially exactly. on the road. I think. And watching Mullen so far in like every game he's played, he's so hungry to get on the ball that he drifts out wide so often. You know, he goes onto the left wing, he goes to the right wing, he harasses fullbacks. Whereas Jake Hyde is just a, a you know a defender's nightmare because it's mm. cliche, but it's so true. If you play and stick between the posts, you're going to score goals. He's just that proper sort of number nine I think whereas Mullen I think he's doing a bit of everything he's creating the chances he'll probably be our top assist maker I think Mullen I think yeah, him, and, yeah. him and Hyde have that sort of relationship and it's like Cole and York at United in the treble winning side or whatever I think that they've got that that ability to create their own chances that ability to create chances out of nothing by pressuring the defence and yeah I'm really excited to see how it goes but I think that is our, our strongest 11. That is our strongest 11. So, so, so undroppables in there. What do you think? Undroppables. There's six undroppables for me. Yeah. Layton, Toza, yeah. Hayden, Young, Hyde, and Mullen. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the rest are up for debate. Um, but do yeah. let us know. Do let us know your team. We'll put the question out on Twitter at Rob Ryan Red. You can email us as well, Rob Ryan Red at Gmail dot com. I just think Rich, it's really nice that for once. I can't remember the last time we had this. Probably the Louis Malt era, but. You know, it it won't be for a lack of strikers, a lack of quality strikers that Wrexham, you know, touch wood if it, if it doesn't happen, we don't get it done. It's not going to be for a lack of firepower. You know, we've needed firepower and they've gone out and got us two. You know, had we had one of those, had we had Jake Hyde in recent seasons, we might have got it done just for someone of that quality. Whereas now to have Jake Hyde and Paul Mullen being supported by Luke Young, James Jones and Jordan Davis, I think, is just unbelievable. It's an incredible window. Ten signings, I think, all look like they've got great pedigree. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, maybe the last bit on transfers. You know, Parkey said last week he wanted two new additions before deadline day. Bryce Hazana was the only extra one to come in. Are we both in agreement that maybe the extra position that Parkey wanted to strengthen would have been midfield then, a holder midfielder? Massively, yeah. I, th- I think I think it was Callum Guy, Alex Woodyard, people like that. And um, there's also uh, a lad at Hartlepool that I'm now forgetting the name of, Gavan something, can't remember, uh, who was also another midfielder. And I think that's I think that's indisputable. That seems like it's the only the only real position where they maybe don't have that other option that they need just to sort of add the bow to what could be a really phenomenal campaign. You know, we can't be too pessimistic. It's like, for me this week, covering United and, and seeing so many of their fans disappointed after a summer window where they've signed Ronaldo again. It's like, come on, we can't be too greedy, can we? I know there's that one position that's still crying out for reinvestment, but yeah, we just got to go with it. And yeah, Nath, on to End this weekend. It should be a the bit game. of a Rob Ryan Red podcast reunion once I get my travel down uh, from Manchester yeah, sorted. Yeah, get it sorted. You know, we've sold what have we sold so far? Over 500 tickets. I'm sure we'll sell a few more. Big trip down to Roots Hall. Um, and before that, I enlisted the help, Rich. And I do know the odd person down at Roots Hall after a few trips there. 
uh, last season and the season before. I enlisted the help of Chris Phillips, who is the chief sports writer at the South End Echo. Now, he is the go-to guy for everything on South End. Do follow him on Twitter at CJPhillips1982. If you want to find all the news on South End over the course of the season, he's brilliant. And he has given us the lowdown on what to expect from Phil Brown's South End. So take a listen. Right, Chris, you are the man in the know for Southend. Wrexham fans who are very excited to come to Roots Hall, a ground we haven't been to for, what is it now, 2002 or something like that? A long time since we got to Roots Hall. People obviously remember LDV Vans fine, I'm sure, more fondly than Southend fans in 2005. This current squad, though, Phil Brown as manager, it's been a mixed start, hasn't it? A win, uh, a draw and a defeat. What what should we expect? What kind of group are we expecting? A young team, an old team, a team that's really going to compete? What what can we expect? Yeah, in terms of the group, it's a lot of youngsters and a lot of experience and not much in the middle, really. Um, it's a little bit of a problem which we may need looking at during the next few months, but it's a new-look squad and it needed to be. It's been a horrific time following the fortunes of Southend. Anyone connected to the club will be able to tell you that. It's been back-to-back relegations and I think Southend have probably been the worst team to support, certainly in the Football League, if not the whole country, I would have thought, in the last year or so. Every time you didn't think it could get any worse, it has done. Um, Phil Brown came back to the club last six games of the season. For me, it was too late by then. The damage has already been done. He improved things a little bit in terms of points per game and, and that kind of thing, but it would have been a miracle to get out of that position that Southend were in. And to be honest, things have been so bad for so long, it's going to take time for things to be moving back again in the right direction. And that's where Southend find themselves now. Made some good signings during the summer, the likes of Reese Murphy, who's a good player, Abu Akogu, people like that. But for me, success for Southend this year, I mean, not everyone might like to hear it, but I'd say success would be a top 10 finish. Mm-hmm. And then next season, look to sort of maybe push on for sort of playoffs and promotion and that time, that kind of thing. But it's just been so horrific for so long that there isn't just the magic switch that you can just suddenly turn back on and everything's all right again. It's going to take time for Southend to move in the right direction again, unfortunately, and and that's where we are right now. I think you know we've we've obviously our owners and chairman have, have really grabbed the headlines. I think Southend's Ron Dennis, uh, Ron Dennis, am I getting confused? <laughs> yeah, Ron Martin. Is Ron there, Martin, there you go. Ron Dennis, I'm getting confused with F1. Uh, Ron oh, Martin. No, no, we, we probably could do with him. He you might have a bit do, more money. You, you so could probably, probably do with Ron Dennis. Feel yeah. free to come on. Right. Yeah, no, Ron Ron Martin. <laughs> Not the most popular guy that's in and around South End. I think you can safely say. What's the situation with him currently? Is he is he still putting any money in at all, or, or is he is he embracing the non-league, or is he just trying to sell up as as quick as possible? No, like you said, he wasn't particularly popular towards the end of last season. There were quite a lot of protests at the last couple of home games, and he sort of came out to greet those fans with a megaphone on the on the last game of the season and, and this, that and the other. And to be fair, there have been a few more positive steps put in place. Southend had had a chief executive um, put in and that position hadn't been filled from something about, I'd say about 2016, 2017, around about that time when Steve Cavanagh joined Millwall. And since his departure, there'd been no chief executive. Now Tom Lawrence has come in from... From Gillingham, and he's filled that void, so that was a positive. Obviously, Phil Brown came back, and I think people, he seems to be a bit Marmite, Phil. I've always gotten really well with him, 
Um, and I think he's probably quite good for the club at this precise moment. He can sort of got good contacts and can get players in. So for me, that was a positive. Ron himself is, is sort of... I haven't really spoken to him, to be honest, which is a little bit strange. Obviously, we've got the chief executive and Phil in place. So I think he's been more in, in the background. Obviously, his ultimate goal and his main ambition right now is the stadium. And he's been working on that for so long now that blessing people don't really pay much attention to it. It's always kind of, oh, yeah, I believe it when I see it. Um, but I think that's very much his own goal, his end goal. I think that's where his focus lies and that's what he's going to be working hard to try and achieve in the background because I think the stadium he sees as being the future of the club and it also probably leads to sort of him being quite successful financially as well and that could maybe be his, his end goal and when that's built that could be when he looks to sort of move the club on himself so I think that's very much his his focus at the moment is the stadium and maybe you could argue that it's been too much on the stadium in the last couple of years and that's where I South then find themselves where they are at the moment I think he may even agree with that if you asked him honestly he does care for the club I I've had sort of run-ins with him during the years and that, but I think he genuinely does does care for the club. Um, he goes to a lot of the games and, and this, that and the other, and I think his heart is in it. But it's just been a, a, a torrid time one way or the other lately. But in terms of sort of attention on him, it's been quite quiet lately. Obviously, mm. we had the, a longer summer break. The season didn't start for, you know, normal time. We had a longer break than normal, so that let things die off a little bit. But I think... The result on Monday was disappointing and a couple more bad results. You could end up with a lot more chance coming in his direction. So it's probably on the brink of it maybe going in that direction again. But sort of so far at the games and that, he hasn't been getting much stick at the moment. But it's been so bad for so long, as I keep saying, that I don't think it will take too much for, for fans to start venting their, their fury again. And you have to say, you, you can't really blame them. No, last time... Me and you shared a press box at South End would have been the Sol Campbell era, so having to go a bit wow. way back, uh, I think it was a, against Rotherham or, or someone like that. Um, and and what I noticed that day was that you, you you I mean you said it yourself you know the club's been on the slide for a while and defensively yeah. looked defensively looked incredibly suspect. Um, what's kind of Wrexham are coming to town? Obviously the big spenders of the National League this season among others, but you've already played Stockport. And you gave them a good go, I think, in the second half. I think you could fair yeah. to say, you know, you're probably unfortunate not to score there. Um, I don't know whether you, you agree with that. I know it was on the telly and I watched what I could to try and get a grip of some of the players there. I mean, what's the feeling with Wrexham coming to town? You know, it should be well backed by travelling support. Is it, are you particularly fearful for South End, or do you think they've got enough in there to trouble Wrexham a little bit? Yeah, I think it's quite exciting predominantly, obviously, with the with the owners and, and everything that you've got. And I think you're maybe the ones that everyone sort of looks forward to playing to and sort of trying to, you're there to be shot at kind of thing, aren't you? Mm. That's the problem sometimes when you've got the budget and the well-known owners, it gets a bit of a buzz around yourselves, but it also gives other people a buzz because they're going to sort of try and knock you off the perch a little bit. So it's one that we've sort of been looking forward to. Um, South End have obviously come down and, it, and it's been quite desperate for a while, but... You do feel if, if, if Southend can play at their very top, then they could probably give Wrexham a game. But it's just trying to impose themselves onto Wrexham and trying to create chances. That's been the problem so far. Mm. I agree with you in the, in the Stockport game that 
maybe were a little bit unlucky. I thought Stockport were very strong for the first half or an hour or so, and, and Southend came into it more, more after that. Certainly on the on the balance of play and the possession and everything like that. But the worry for me and many, I mean, I'm a Southend fan myself, irrespective of of my job. So I get it a double barrel really. Is that the Stockport goalie? It told a tale that I didn't know that I didn't actually know the name of the Stockport goalie. Mm-hmm until I had to sort of write everything up on Saturday evening. And that sort of showed you that he, he wasn't really involved at all in the game. I think he made one kind of sort of save, which he'd be expected to make in the first half. And other than that, he just wasn't called upon at all. And and that would be the worry for me with, with Southend moving forward in, in more ways than one, really, is that is the creating the chances and converting those chances. I think in Reese Murphy, we've seen enough in pre-season that that he's going to be someone that convert chances, but the worry is going to be just how many are going to be coming his way. Yeah. Um, Southend have struggled where that's concerned in recent seasons. For instance, the the top goal scorer last year got three goals, um, and I think the whole team got 29 in the league or around that figure. Mm. So the attacking play and the creating and converting of chances has been a long-term concern. And Phil Brown knows that. Um, Reese Murphy came to the club, Sam Dolby came to the club, he scored on his debut the Kings in on the opening day and, and they both look quite good but I don't know whether or not there's that threat in behind there isn't that injection of pace that can sometimes worry defenders and, and put them on the back foot so I think Southend may be too easy con- to contain at the moment yeah. they need to sort of break the lines and get through and, and try and hurt teams a little bit more and that'll be the challenge on, on Saturday obviously Wrexham have got some fantastic players some of which we know we played against last season some of which even play for us last season so we know a few bits about the squad and this and that and it goes without saying obviously some of the signings that you've made you're certainly going to be up there this season so but I think that makes Saturday quite exciting it's certainly it's a tough time for Southend because we're finding ourselves at, at this level for the first time it's probably very similar to yourselves when, when you first came down to League 2 and you don't almost want to be Billy Big Time but you're going to these grounds thinking yeah. oh god how did it how did it get to this? How's it got this bad? No, you always think that. How's it come to this? How has yeah, it come to you're, Kings you're, Lynn or, or Wilson? Yeah, you're parking in the say. field and you can't even, you know, you can't even see the ground and you're right next to it, that kind of thing. It's yeah. like, well, where is it? Um, so I think playing against the, the likes of yourselves is, is, is one to look forward to. Um, so I think there's quite an, an excitement about it. If we're 3-0 down after 15 minutes, then obviously that's going to be mm. uh, long gone. But I think people were very frustrated on, on Monday. Um, the second half just wasn't good enough and going there and drawing 0-0 wasn't good enough either really if we're entirely honest so I think Saturday will be, be an exciting one it's one of the most difficult games of the season but it would probably be typical Southend to, to go and win this game and then lose to the team that's going to finish bottom that sort of historic don't say that, that to us we're, we're looking to start a winning run at Southend I mean, <laughs> I mean what, um, what, what I did notice and I, and I follow a couple of Southend fans just to sort of yeah. see the frustration and hear the fans talk about it. Is it Edgebury or Egbury who, who seemed yeah. to be the, the, the wide player that the owners seemed to be on him, especially in that second half, to create something which he just couldn't seem to do? Yeah. With, with some of these younger players, have you. Is that the frustration that they maybe just haven't yet developed into ready made National League wingers? Because I think Wrexham, with a 3 5 2 formation, do leave gaps behind those wing backs. Yeah, and so I mean, if you've got good wingers, you know, that's where you're yeah. going to exploit. I mean, Southend have played wing backs in all their 
three games this season. So whether or not Phil sticks with that system for the weekend, it will be interesting to see. And uh, Terrell Webbury is someone that's probably the smallest professional footballer in the country, I, w- I would imagine. Mm. Um, and he's someone that's come through the, through the youth system and be quite highly rated. He works incredibly hard, but in terms of that end product, that is the sort of thing that he definitely needs to work upon. Whether or not he would be in Southend's first 11 at the moment, I'm not too sure. He came on during the Stockport game after an injury to Abu Agogo. Um, and Jason Dimitriou, who would probably be the first choice right wing back, he moved into midfield. Um, so whether or not Jason comes back in after missing the game at King's Lynn due to his knee that he has to sort of manage similar to, to what you guys have got with Harry Lennon. Mm. It'd be interesting to see whether or not he goes to right wing back or whether or not he'll go into into central midfield now. Southend haven't had too much to be positive about in recent years, but they have brought through some some great players through the youth system. That's been the shining light in recent mm. years. Obviously, you've had your, your Daniel Bentleys and, and your Jack Paynes and, and people like that. But even some that haven't appeared for the first team in Isaac Hayden and Van Kamara and Jordan Gabriel, who's just gone to, to Blackpool. There's been a lot of players. Charlie Kelman's gone to QPR. So there have been quite a lot of good youngsters yeah. coming through. And there's some talent in the current bunch as well. But I think we've noticed that you can't have too many youngsters too soon and you can't always expect them to be on it every week um, so I think Terrell has got has got talent there he's certainly got the right attitude and he's got real heart and desire to get stuck in but it's just the other side of the game that level of consistency when it comes to his end product that's what he needs yeah. to be working on and, and if he does that which I'm, I'm sure he can then at that point he can become a regular but I think at the moment he's going to be dropping in and out of the first team and I think one or two of the, the younger players that we've got on the periphery of things right now are probably going to be similar to that. Phil Brown's someone that very much likes experience. Um, during his first spell here, maybe we ended up with too many older players really and um, that certainly could have been a criticism that was sort of levelled at him towards the end of his time and he signed I mean sort of 30, 31 year olds that kind of thing this summer yeah. but they know the league and I think that's important because not many people at South End do right now so I think it's about getting that balance right and there's certainly one or two other youngsters who will be ready to, to come in when they're ready and, and, and that's certainly something that South End do well but then the worry is being at this level, obviously, it puts the academy in, in doubt if they don't get up sort of this season. Yeah, I was about to ask about Nathan Ferguson, but you've kind of got you've you've Alan Hansen to me. You've gone, we can't win anything <laughs> with with the kids. So, sure um, <laughs> but no, he's he's another that that is a name that may be familiar to Wrexham fans. He's one that we've seen in in rumor mills for for teams yeah. higher up. Is he seen in Southend as one of the ones who who maybe could kick on and step on uh, of the current yeah. bunch? If you'd asked me this before Saturday, uh, before Monday, sorry, I would have given you a completely different answer. Right. Now, he came into the club in um, in January, February time, and he scored one of the best goals I've ever seen a South End player score at Forest Green. Every time you talk about it, it gets five yards further back, but hmm. it must have been about 35, 40 yards out at the time that he hit it, and he started every game this season. Now, on Monday, he was on a yellow card, and towards the end of the game, he visibly pulled out of the tackle. And in the interview okay. after the game, Phil Brown really let rip. And he didn't name him, um, but he said in the interview, I won't have people that will pull out of tackles and it's no excuse saying that you're in a yellow card. So it was quite obvious who he was talking about. Right. And he followed that up by saying something along the lines of, people who do that won't play for me. They won't play for me next week. In fact, they might not play for me again. So wow. along those kind of lines, it wasn't exactly word no, for word. But it was along those lines. So with that in mind, I would be surprised if 
if Nathan Ferguson featured on uh, Saturday, Will Atkinson's come to back to the club. He was here during um, Phil's first spell in charge, which was successful. Obviously, won the League Two playoffs, got up into League One, which seems a, an awful long time ago now. And summer signing James Dunn, he was with Phil with Swindon Town, and he's got quite a lot of sort of aggression and legs in the midfield. And I think that's what they think they missed on on Saturday. Uh, keep saying Saturday, sorry, Monday. Nothing right to be playing on a Monday. That's no, no, it's yeah, very, it's very odd. This Saturday, <laughs> Monday, I, I will let you off. You're not used yeah, to it yet. So You're, this that, is all um, new to you. This is yeah. Yeah, what's that all yeah. about? Um, so I think Will Atkinson and James Dunn could be two that come into the middle of the park. I think Southend are going to try and go for a bit of sort of aggression and a bit of energy in, in the middle of the park, and maybe might not try and play too much to track it, uh, you know, attractive football in there, and just maybe try and go a bit in your face and not really give you any time to sort of settle on the ball, that kind of thing. So I think um, we could be seeing a slightly different pattern of play in the centre of the park, a bit more of experience and that kind of thing. But, yeah, the name that I will be looking for first on Saturday, whether or not it will be there, will be Nathan Ferguson. Because while he wasn't named by Phil in the after-match interview, it was quite obvious who he was talking about. So whether or not he will be true to his word or whether or not that was just a kick up the bum and see how he reacts, it will be very interesting to see who is in that team sheet on Saturday. It actually is Saturday. This, this one is actually, this one is actually <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, don't turn up on Monday. There's no game on Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very much on Saturday. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, that's really interesting about Nathan Ferguson. I mean, we've seen similar situations over, over the years. You know, managers who, who, for some reason, one thing happens and, and they don't take to a player. Um, yeah. on, on, on a final note then, what, what do you think the, what do you think the kind of the atmosphere. Do you think there'll be a, a, a big crowd there? Are the home fans still turning up for these games? And do yeah, you think that I mean, you'll have a really good go as well at Wrexham, or do you think you'll you yeah, end up defend? You think we'll have a go? You'll have a go. Yeah, definitely. Um, the support has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, if you think it's been back-to-back relegations and it's been dire for so long, um, South End have sold over three thousand season tickets, which I know isn't as as many as, as, as yourself, mm. but if you compare the sort of atmosphere and the buzz around both clubs, then you're looking at a very contrasting situations. So, for Southend to have done that was great. They had they sold out their allocation for Wildstone at Kingsland. There was more away fans than home fans. There was over five thousand there for the Stockport game, and they didn't really bring too many. So, I think the crowd will be there. And I'll tell you one thing to look out for on um, Saturday: is keep an eye on the dugout. It's always been very fiery when Phil Brown has been up alongside Phil Parkinson. Yeah. Um, I think I'm right in saying that Phil Brown may have followed Phil Parkinson at Hull. Yeah. And I don't think there's too much love lost between love the lost. pair of them. No. Um, the last time Bolton came to, to Rootsall, Phil Brown got sent off. And early on in that season, they, they certainly had a, a clash on the... Uh, on the touchline, shall we say, that carried on a little bit afterwards. So keep an eye on that one. It might not just be on the pitch where it's keenly contested. There could be a little bit going on on the on the sidelines. And have you got Steve Parkin as well? Is he Steve still... Parkin, he's in there. Yeah, assistant. so he was at hole with Bill Brown as well. So that'll be quite good. You've got Harry Lennon coming back as well. So that'll add an extra bit of, of spice to the occasion. So there's one or two things that are going to make it quite a sort of test, testy game as such. So I think it's going to be one to look forward to. Obviously, you guys are going to be favourites, you're going to be expected to win, but I don't think Southend will sit back. I don't think the fans will allow that, rightly or wrongly. They could, they still think that Southend should be one of the big boys at, the, at this level and they should be forcing themselves onto the opponents, whoever that they are. So 
They're also very frustrated after Monday. There was a big team meeting yesterday. There were a few home truths and read the right act is what is what Phil said. So they were very angry. So they're going to be looking forward to getting out there again and, and putting that right. So it's got the makings of a good game. So now I've said all that, it's probably going to be a, another boring nil-nil. But I don't think it will be. I think it will be a, an entertaining affair because I think both teams will, will be going for it. And it'd be really interesting to see sort of Wrexham and where you're at and how Southend compared to that, really. So it's one I'm looking forward to myself, and, and hopefully it can uh, live up to the billing. So, Nate, really interesting stuff there. And God, I'm excited for that trip this weekend. That's going to be a proper, you know, we always talk about those sort of football league clashes in non-league and Southend away has all the makings of a really memorable away day for us, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just a new one as well. I think back when we went to Meadow Lane, watching us away at Notts for the first time when we had the opportunity and just that buzz again. And, and Roots Hall is is very convenient for me living down south. I think it'll be a really good away day. We've still got that feel-good factor people who weren't there on Monday or, or couldn't make it to Eastleigh for, for whatever reason, you know, it's it's a one where the chippies are great round there. That's great. They've got a good, actually, good fan base, uh, South End, really good fans, a lot of gallows humour there that they've, they've started to go badly wrong. But it'll be a really good game and another good test for us, I think, early on. Because I was saying on a, on a Notts County pod recently that this league's all about consistency. Sure, you want to play well, in the process of doing so, but I look early on at, I know you're saying it's far too early to be looking at the league table, but you look at Dagenham and Chesterfield, they're just getting the job done repeatedly, and it doesn't need to be necessarily pretty, and for Wrexham now, we've had some tough games, you know, Solihull's a really tough game for us, that's probably one of our toughest possible games for the opener, a trip to is never easy, just purely based on the distance, and they're always quite handy, and then a game at home to not, so... You know, South End as well. We're racking up the games, but we just need to start racking up the points and racking up the wins just to give us that belief that we can go on a run, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it'll just that confidence will breed further success. For us, it's just bring on the roller coaster. We've done all we can so far. You know, the, the points tally, five points from those three games you mentioned. I'm very happy. We're still unbeaten. There's a hell of a long way to go. Yeah, I'm not going to get too optimistic i'm not gonna get too pessimistic wrexham are back baby and so are we we'll be here every single game this season we'll have some sort of reaction or preview as well news of the louis malt interview that should be dropping next week myself and nave just editing that so we've got an hour with louis malt talking all things wrexham he speaks about his relationship with kevin wilkin being dropped for the emotional return to stoke in the fa cup that fa trophy final and it even gives us a hint about whether he might return to Wrexham one day. So that is one definitely worth sticking around for. As always, please do leave a like, subscribe and a review if you haven't already. Nath, anything else to say before we wrap up? Nothing else to say. Just bring on South End and do keep an eye out for that Louis Malt interview. It is brilliant. I was really impressed with him. And and yeah, definitely one that I think a lot of people will really enjoy. So keep, an, keep eyes peeled for that next week. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.